0: hello and welcome back again to the next or the the uh, next uh, podcast uh, the pain podcast from Up uh, scientific um welcome again um my name is bart van buchem i'm a pain specialist physiotherapist and um, i'm your host today and with me today is roland Rezicht. he's um he's excited to have him here because he's sort of a, like professor of everything although he's not a professor yet <laughs> but he's he does a lot of things and that's that's quite exciting because um, we've got a pretty cool subject uh, to talk about, um, and we're going to tell you about. Um, so, uh, Roland is a is a he's a, he's a part of the Hansa Hogeschool Physiotherapy in Groningen, which is in the very north of the Netherlands. He has a position in uh, he's a teacher there for the physio bachelor and master degree in um, the Vu Medical Center in Amsterdam as well, which is part of the musculoskeletal physiotherapy sciences. Um, he is a Ph.D. candidate and uh, looking into central pain mechanisms, um, specifically in manual therapy or hands-on therapeutic approaches, which is uh, cool stuff, generally. <laughs> um, that's what we're excited about. And um, uh, But he also has a research um, position uh, at the Groningen Hochschule, which is basically looking into how, how education or um, Grad newly grads uh, are delivered to the field of physiotherapy, and um, his his concerns are all about pain and do we learn them the right stuff, and where do we have to go? So he got he uh, recently published a, um, a Delphi study, uh, which we will refer into the notes, um, which we're going to talk about because this is pretty exciting stuff, I can tell you. So, uh, roland thank you for joining.
1: Oh, thank you very much for uh, having me here, and. Uh... Very happy to talk a bit about uh, the whole subject of pain, which is probably my main interest, not only since it's so complex and fascinating, but actually I had uh, an episode of neck pain myself as well, where my journey started and that never fully resolved as in the pain itself, but it did boost my interest in understanding more of pain, but also trying to get more healthcare practitioners understand what pain is to have an improvement hopefully in the global burden of it so yes. thanks again for having me
0: yeah that's great and i think um you're in a kind of interesting position where you're actually teaching the um, let's say the, the graduates for um at the hoogschool uh in Groningen, and all the way up to master degree and also and i forgot to tell um you're also running a clinic so you're seeing patients day by day so you got a bit of everything and i think that's a very interesting position where you probably have a opinion <laughs> on on what has been learned or what is part of the curriculum at least of a of a physiotherapy degree so um and i know that excites you it excites me so i was going mm-hmm. so so where did, did it came from uh, roland where you're starting to questioning so what is it what is basically what is the curriculum is um involved or what is part of that curriculum and where do you feel like it sits
1: at the moment when you specifically talk about pain you mean in the curriculum yes of course yes
0: yes about pain in the curriculum for physiotherapists
1: i think generally and that's not only true uh at our uh, university, but also in all of them in our country, but we even see it in a European and a more global level. Most of the time, it doesn't really have a position itself. Uh, it's here and there spread. It's named, and uh, we do see that there are a few lectures about it that uh, try to explain it as a standalone thing. And. Probably, as far as we think now, that's kind of the issue. Um, most pre uh, preregistration uh, students don't really understand what pain is and what it means for the patient. So it's bigger than pain itself. And due to that, we see that the biomedical model and the beliefs due to that are still there when they are graduated. And we see that in healthcare practitioners as well. So the lack of positioning or perhaps uh, even a lack of pure vision, how it should be in education mm. is our main problem. And I think that's the thing that encouraged us to start uh, doing more research in this area.
0: So, so where does the problem lies then? So if people, so there seem to be, let's say, some organizations like EFIC IASP do have these recommendations or even outlines for curriculum. Why does it take so long, or at least what's the the burden to changing curriculum to more, let's say, improving pain care
1: in general? I think the, the first uh, barrier, but it's I'm not sure if it's a problem, but it's a barrier. Mm. You only have so much time to learn so much. And every physio is a, a general physiotherapist. So it's really hard in a curriculum to change things because everything that you want to add means that something needs to get out of it, which is probably also important. So you don't want to skip things. So that's the first thing. The second thing is you can only grow towards a more biopsychosocial uh modern pain interested healthcare practitioner, if the teachers are that as well, if they have that higher level, if if that's the term. So what we saw in the studies we did is that most teachers are actually quite biomedically as well. So they don't see a necessity of change. And I think those that are really interested in pain are on the other side of the spectrum they see the necessity of change and they try to get that change in the curriculum. And we see that at every university. You always have a few that fight for change and you have loads of people that don't see the necessity and, well, perhaps uh, uh, slowing it down.
0: Yeah, so uh, I know you've done some interesting research on, on asking paint let's say pain educators uh the ethic council um let's say the general physiotherapists around the country mm-hmm. so uh, where does the who seems to be very interested and in very much pushing this uh in in a way that it's um trying to get it on the agenda so
1: yeah if we uh, so in the Delphi we did, we wanted to see what items are of importance to be implemented in the uh, curriculum. So mm. it was not about the level, but only the items itself. So the so what, what uh, direction we should go. Mm. And To get rid of bias, we asked a few different panels with different ideas. And if you look at those differences, you generally see that uh, clinicians think on a general level that pain items are less of importance students so last year students actually see them as important which is a really good trend in my opinion Mm -hmm. Uh, logically the ISP and uh, ethic uh, panel members thought it was really important Uh, the pain lecturers at all the universities thought it was important and the general lecturers uh, generally were a bit less enthusiastic. It depended a bit on the item, but generally they thought it was a bit less important. So you'd really see that we have pain lecturers at every university that try to drive this change because they think it's more important. And I think it it, uh, resonates in a general call of action we see in the whole world. More and more we see big... um, Uh, unions like the ISP and ethic, as you already said, calling for a change. What we see now, even uh, in this year, a beautiful editorial is uh, published about how we should change musculoskeletal health. And again, there we see the the call. We have to change education itself as well Hmm. to respond to the global burden of musculoskeletal health. So
0: it's yeah. not just a pain thing right so
1: no it's not, saying, it's not it's not just a pain thing but we have to acknowledge at least that's my strong opinion and i do have a strong opinion in this one in the first line of care in musculoskeletal health the general problem is pain and people want to know what their pain is they want to be uh, they want to improve their quality of life due to their pain so i think it's a major importance that a healthcare practitioner understands pain because you can go two directions if you ask me Mm. if you know pain you can help them if you don't know pain there is a high chance that in the long term they will not improve you will give them a non-durable narrative so it's highly important that the healthcare practitioner itself knows pain yeah since the patient will get his cognitions from that healthcare practitioner
0: so if the patients are asking for it, even the students, and let's say organizations like the WHO, EFIC, ISP are pushing for change, is it is it a university issue then, the change? So it's within the university and globally, um, like you said, it's maybe yeah. it's not, not not a burden, but it's like an obstacle that needs to be run. Yeah. So, what what is so from your experience? Because you're you're uh, employed by two unis. So so, what is generally the the biggest step to make within a university to change a curriculum, even any change? Is that do you have an experience with that?
1: Yeah, I, I think all universities, specifically if we talk about uh, physiotherapy now, they are big. So many people uh, need to. Uh, be okay with the change. So that's Mm. high importance and then why do we need to change that question needs to be answered on a specific level. So just having an opinion is not enough to get a change. So we need to have evidence Mm. but then still having scientific evidence as in a few articles or whatsoever is again not enough but it's better than an opinion already. So that's why we had the Delphi, it was the uh, ignition of change It doesn't change anything, but it is a paper we can use to talk about the change. The next step is on a a national level. If we look at our country, we we have the physiotherapeutic union. They should take position that this change is necessary. If they take that position, then all the uh, uh, curricula will uh, acknowledge. That uh, urgent change, and they will do it. So, in the end, it's it does have something to do with uh, bureaucracy as well. I'd say, or, or authority, and that's not a bad thing because otherwise there would be a chance that if there is some kind of new uh, treatment being thought of, mm. uh, let's say uh, we we have a nice paper that says something really good about cupping, you don't want it directly implemented. Mm. It is somewhere quite good that it slowed down. But on the other hand, here in Groningen, for example, we're already busy from the 90s to change it. I know that Professor Paul van Weelge started, well, I'd say a revolution, but it didn't work out yet. He was too soon. It was too early to change it. So
0: Hmm.
1: they all wait on a higher order authority to push the change, and evidence is necessary for that. And positional statements.
0: And I get that. And and interestingly, um, when you sort of sum up the 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 issues there, like bureaucracy and so on, it looks like that the evidence is a bit ahead of the training. And and I, I reckon that for many. Uh, for many countries there is a master degree available where they definitely have a more focus on on psychosocial aspects of pain and or general health <laughs> at least yeah. or even just on musculoskeletal health but it it's fine it, so my question to you you've done this delphi but what does what are the skill set that is lacking at the moment within the university for students in physiotherapy compared to what is perhaps more needed or what is part of that so what what kind of training is not part of the core curriculum and and should be in your opinion
1: i think the uh, general consensus in all that are trained more in this area but even in those that are not trained there is consensus in them as well there is a lack of Recognition of psychosocial factors and skills to uh, ask about them, to uh, to identify them. So even if if you know what they are, you need to have skills to talk with your patient. Mm. And then after that, what do you do with them? So uh, uh, in loads of papers, we'll recognize that physios. Uh, uh, say that they have that lack of recognition and skill sets to do anything with psychosocial uh, factors. On the other hand, what's also missing, and it is debatable if it's necessary, but in my opinion, it is. Many don't know how pain itself works. So from a neurophysiological point of view, and I do think a basic knowledge is necessary because otherwise it will be an, an... just a concept and that concept is quite fast translated to it's just all in your head which is a total different sentence for the patient so they need to have a fundament that is actually true or something like that and uh, I see in uh, most curricula that there's a lack of a neurophysiological explanation of what is pain why can it change due to prolonged time of pain Um, and And many students tell me that when i teach that part they finally understand that pain is something different than the damage signaler that it was in their biomedical view and they understand that it's a true problem mm. not even talking about the lived experience and what it does with patients and so on uh, but even then, so i think the general lack is psychosocial factors and doing things with it knowing what to do and understanding pain itself so both
0: yes and I, is that and that ties that into your one of your comments forrest and I, I i like that bit because it resonates i guess with many teachers so there is a, a limited of let's say learning or data you can bring to a curriculum in a certain amount of time so is it too much is it too much to ask if or do you feel like no we have to make decisions some some things has to go out we have to make we sort of have to this psychosocial aspects of pain and communication has to bring we have to bring it more forward in training and perhaps some of the other things that we believe were important for physiotherapists we're actually not that important anymore so we're going to change the order or <laughs> the importance of
1: that yeah. I I think you could prioritize what's necessary for what our patients need. And there are a few pillars you can do it on. I suggest that the first pillar is the global burden of health. So we know that pain is the biggest problem we have in the world. So we should prioritize the skills that are necessary for pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second of that, I think you could look into all the skills you need for pain. Do you need them for the non-pain cases as well? And I think the answer on many of the items that are important is yes, your communication skills and also think about health literacy. All that kind of things are really important for people that are in pain, musculoskeletal, neuropathic whatsoever, but also for people with cardiovascular diseases, rehabilitation, etc. cetera, shared decision-making. So I'd say... Let's reprioritize based on that, but we should not forget, you do need educational models as well. You can't start with uh, advanced techniques. You need to have fundaments, you need to have uh, the lowest competence level as in a reproduction of knowledge, knowing physiology, but we could reconsider. And um, I think the Delphi actually, uh, sparked that reconsideration because there we already saw what's important for pain and what's important for a physio. Mm. That helps as well, I'd say.
0: So uh, you, you've listed in that Delphi study, you listed like a number of approaches and definitions as well. Yeah. So were there any surprises in in when you're asking so many people, and then you've got this massive data? collection now so what i know you've been publishing but you may have published the most interesting bits but maybe there's other stuff that you feel like well this is something to look into
1: i think from every perspective uh it is interesting to see what went in and what uh what remains at the end so we started with uh 200 plus items, I'm not sure anymore. Let me check, 275 items. Wow. We ended with uh, 63 that are considered really important or essential. Mm. Um, One of the things that I found really interesting and weird, and that was, for example, what techniques improve pain so, what treatment options do we have and hands-on techniques were not in it
0: on on which group you were asking for oh. was it all the groups
1: yeah right. which is really interesting because i do believe i strongly believe based upon the evidence we have that hands-on techniques do help but they are kind of forgotten uh, in this study so that's kind of weird so that was a unique one another one that i found quite interesting um and that's a side effect of uh, this study. We also asked everyone if they knew the item, if they uh, they had heard of it. And there were quite a few items that were not known by either the student group or the clinicians uh, or teachers themselves. And um, if, if I just give a few examples of it, um, neurophysiology. So um, the the whole idea of descending control of endogenous pain inhibition. So uh, the the medicine of our own brain, that's not known by students, or by clinicians, or by teachers. Uh, The idea of that you uh, learn from experience, painful experiences, which in some uh, uh, groups is called neurotechs, not known either. Neuroimmunology, not known. So we didn't ask them what it is. We just asked them, do you know it? Mm. And and they had, it was logically anonymous. So I had the freedom to to be honest. And I found that quite uh, interesting that so much was unknown, but also psychosocial factors like hypervigilance, Fear avoidance, that kind of things. Mm-hmm. Treatments, things like pacing, uh, exposure, uh, were not known either. So, uh,
0: to what degree? Like, so like there's a there's a significant number of people within the clinicians or teachers who basically not were not aware of. By definition, they didn't know exactly what it meant, or yeah, and
1: those uh, that I named. Uh, I named only those that more than uh, one third did not know of. Wow! So, so that's
0: interesting because I, I think when when well, we just pushed out the, the or it was just I just mentioned the the literature that's there quite consistently over the last two decades, in terms of like uh, more psychology informed strategies, if you like, and pain education. So it kind of surprised me that that goes sort of, I can see clinicians missing it or sort of, because it's not your daily language, if you like, but for teachers, um, I would expect it <laughs> to, so I'm quite surprised. So, so I, I rep- you probably have a representative group uh, um,
1: uh, of oh, yeah. people. Yeah.
0: So it really surprised me that it's uh, maybe my underestimation that people probably know about it, but they don't really know. I, I fully agree.
1: <laughs> um. I thought that uh, much more people uh, would uh, know these kind of stuff. So I'm quite happy to ask that question. Yeah. It helps as well. And on the other hand, we do have data from uh, our other study. We also studied what the uh, knowledge and attitude of pain is in students on a bachelor level, on a master level. And uh, since we designed a questionnaire of it, we also asked the general public and... Uh, in a few uh, um, moments where many clinicians were there or teachers, we asked it as well. And there we kind of saw the same idea. So, if we look at the score from a biomedical to biopsychosocial um, oriented um, participant, we see that students grow from year one till year four. Into a more biopsychosocial approach, and in year one they are equal to the general public, mm. but when we look into the masters, they they grow a bit. But when they are in the last year, they they kind of dive a bit downwards again, which is interesting. We don't know why, uh, but more interesting, but it's it's not a real study and it was a small sample but when we asked teachers they were at the level of the uh, approximately fourth year students so if you think of it, that you are being taught by someone with a certain knowledge and attitude of pain it's quite hard to grow uh, beyond your teacher because you will listen to uh, what he has to say so if the teachers are on the level of year four there is not much growth to expect behind that so in, in equally to the Delphi study where we, we saw that many teachers don't know these items in the KNUP study we see that teachers should be way higher of the KNUP score as well so they can teach the first uh, of the, the, the pre-registration students a bit more as well, so I think it's it kind of confirms that we should teach the teachers.
0: So, so where is this going now? So, so you you I think this isn't. I don't think there is. Maybe there has been study similar or comparable. Um, otherwise. Uh, yeah, I think you, you're going to the next step. So what is happening in the field at the moment where you, uh, you've been
1: part of? Well, interestingly, there is a, a beautiful project done here in, uh, in the Netherlands uh, at the uh, uh, University of Applied uh, Sciences Utrecht, where they developed a really nice Teach the Clinician and Teach the Teacher course, which uh, will be published uh, probably next year, I guess, uh, Han van Dijk is really busy with that together with uh, a few, but uh, Harriette Witting from EFIC as well. And uh, so so they are really busy in trying to educate teachers mm-hmm. uh, and they are trying to do the same for students. Uh, and we at the Hans do it as well. So the, the whole knowledge and attitude of pain. uh, uh education in, in pain, uh, in physiotherapy, uh, I do that together with Annika Batesma. she's the, the, the main leader in that area, she will do, uh, I think a beautiful randomized controlled trial on an educational level to see, can we well, quite simply uh, enhance a bit of our education to see if the, uh, the knowledge, attitude, but also, their behavior will already change. So we, we, we will not do a new module or whatsoever, but just enhance narratives, terms used, focus on the patient instead of the tissue, those kind of things. Uh, that's true. I know in, in the world, there are many more people now doing research in this area because we see that uh, it, it's, it's of high importance
0: Mm, yes, of course. And uh, it's nice to see that, that you have to go through all these phases to make this uh, change, or at least to start igniting it. And I think this Delphi study is very worthwhile for a read and um, to see basically how people are thinking, like in these bigger groups. And um, I appreciate that for published, being published. Because there was also there was I was biased myself as a as a pain educator, uh, where I had my assumptions about yeah. others. And and um interestingly that that those biases not always were true. So um I think this was very helpful. So I'm looking forward to to see that that train the trainer and train the, the teachers, but I also think it's it's a general that's where I sometimes feel like where where the, let's say, w- when as a graduate or when you you just graduate or, or even during your internship, lots of comments came from the, the let's say, from the field. Oh, they can't even do a massage anymore. Yeah, and so they they have to bring up more massage. And yeah, um, what I found interestingly so where they do acknowledge that that say psychosocial communication skill set but on the other hand less interested in skills that actually enhance that science bias the, the true biopsychosocial approaches and uh somehow and i can see that so this is just a question to you so if a physiotherapist as a known as a hands-on let's say profession for the general public is it do you could you agree or to some degree that that touch is the access to let's say issue or yeah access to solving a problem with a patient because that's what people are expecting so do do physiotherapists do, do they need to get like really good hands on and then being able to bend towards uh, uh, um an approach that is truly biopsychosocial or do you maybe say well no no of course not we have to just start straight away into combining those factors but that's a maybe a hard question to answer yeah, that's,
1: <laughs> and it's actually an impossible question isn't it because you have the full spectrum some people uh, need touch before you can change them some people can be changed quite easily the, mm. i think there are many uh, many different patients but I think the most important one that's always true is that whatever you do with your patient, it should be patient-centered and the narrative should always be durable. You always have to keep in the back of your mind, what cognitions do they have when they leave my room? So I I am a manual therapist, I use manual therapy, but if my patient thinks that I'm a fixer, that I'm necessary to uh, get rid of his pain, that I do something in his body that changes it, specifically a tissue change, then I think I did it wrong. So I think many touch-based hands-on therapies can be really good, but the narrative is essential. And that can be of importance as well. We need to understand how it works before we just do it. So you should not do it with everyone. You should really use your clinical reasoning skills what does this person need? And I, I think I'm a bit disappointed sometimes how easily uh, physios just recognize a complaint by a label and just use a technique because that's connected somehow without actually reasoning the whole story and thinking about uh, what does my patient learn from this? Uh, mm-hmm. What is therapeutic alliance, health literacy, etc., etc., cetera, self-management? So I do think touch is important and we need to, have that in a curricula and you need to be good at it. I think massage is less of importance because first of all, I don't think it's a hard to learn skill at all. Uh, I don't think you need to be really good at it to be really good with your patient, even though they get it two hours a week for the first two years. And I think you can learn the techniques within six hours and you're done, but okay. So I do think hands-on is important. I think the theory behind it and working mechanisms is even more important than how do you explain it. So the narrative is essential, and um, and then you can choose do I use it or not. Sometimes as a manual therapist, I'm just a coach, and yes. sometimes I try to give them a bit of pain inhibition due to manual therapy, so I can prove to them that it's changeable and they can work on it or things like that
0: yeah that's a nice that's a nice summary i guess so you, you worked out that question because it was a bit of a cheeky one uh as i know you're you're as a manual therapist you're also right to dodge so, that bullet yeah no that's all right it, <laughs> it's kind of nice where, where you do see this um within within the approaches that that you do have um there is room space for 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 touch and i really like the idea as long as the training is focused on what does touch do and what does it bring as a toolkit not as a therapeutic approach on its own in its own right uh, where the the patients basically um will will receive the treatment as the thing right and i like that idea with whether it's a narrative or it's even within exercise yeah um, it could be all all directions so uh, at le pup we've discussed that like in many ways already it's pretty pretty cool how how things are evolving um yeah but i, I think it's also a hard skill to learn it's harder so you can you can learn a technique <laughs> yeah but it's it's harder to really trying to use it as a part of your clinical reasoning and and part of connecting to a patient where it, it, it really does what you you sort of trying to, trying to um, trying to achieve rather than just delivering your therapy, which is much easier, I guess, just as what do you think? I think that's what you're saying, right? So you can learn that in like a very limited amount of time, but by really applying it correctly, not by technique, but by approach. And the the bigger picture is much more complicated. There is
1: a big barrier there that we have to consider from a non-teacher perspective that we all forget. I can teach a skill to a student that he applies on another student who is healthy. Mm. That's easy teaching uh, uh, with all respect, but a communication skill, what a patient needs can't be taught that easily because you have to do a bit of role play and you can't do that. You have to get actors, for example. Mm. But if you have a big class with 24 students, then you can't teach them all how to react on that actor or that patient. So we should learn this in practice, but then you need a supervisor that can teach those skills in practice. And that's the whole problem we know that those generally, those in practice say they don't have those psychosocial recognition skills, communicative techniques, so they can't learn it or students doing that specifically for the patient either. So yes. it's really hard to teach those communicative skills, uh, narratives of techniques applied to that specific patient and patient-centered yeah. care. So even though I know many from the outside world and researchers and and, and uh, happy pain know-it-alls think that we sh- should do that way better. And we all agree, but it's not that easy to actually do it didactical uh, and Correct. pragmatically.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: So that's a barrier as well we have to consider.
0: Yes, I think that's a nice finisher, uh, Roland. So keep <laughs> <laughs> so people pondering on, on how to change and um, uh, the the education of, of physiotherapists in general, but I think this also is part of the psychologist movement, so maybe um, pushing away or diving in. So there's so much to to or debate, but also it's exciting times, and I think we've said that before, and um, um, I know some really well-known um, lecturers, and, uh, lecturers and, uh, and researchers say this is an exciting time. Actually, this is pretty cool. There's so a lots of things happening. It's not as years ago, it, nothing happened in, in this profession. Now everything is changing. So if you like change, it's pretty it's pretty awesome to be part of that.
1: Yeah, and what is new or new for me at least? There is room for that debate that you just said. We now are open for discussion. It's not authority based anymore. We do it together. Mm teachers researchers clinicians patients we work together and listen to each other's story more and more and more
0: totally yes and i i think that's a there's proof if your delphi studies part of that so i would recommend everyone to have a read uh, uh and and take your own considerations on that um, and maybe this this um uh the way the way um um uh, the netherlands and the unis are are basically trying to uh, evolve and slowly changing the curriculum itself. And I think is a nice example how it can happen. So, and I know from you uh, that uh, we now know that it is actually happening and it's a part of the discussion. So, uh, appreciate it. Um, and thanks for joining, uh, Roland.
1: You're welcome. And just as a last shout out, uh, also consider the work of uh, Anneke Beetsmaus, really, uh, really into this. And, uh, and for example, Han van Dijk as well. Uh, education research on pain in this country is uh, is also uh, done quite a lot, which I'm really proud of. So also yeah. check their work uh, next to the, well, the the Delphi where I'm proud of as well.
0: We'll make sure uh, we leave some in the notes so so we would be lovely. Continue. All right, this is great. Thank you Roland. Um we keep an eye on you and on your work. Um we'll be excited to meet you again in person again. It'll be good fun. Uh, as we know and uh, uh thank you for listening um to everyone who tuned in. Um we'll be back in 2 weeks. Uh, if you want to know more just um, make sure you follow this podcast. Or give it a give it a go on on your platform and um we'll be sharing some very exciting new stuff on the pubscientific.com um where you can sort of start start your learning journey um and parts of these conversations are hopefully will excite you as well so thank you for joining thank you roland thank you all for listening thank you bye-bye